Hello, everyone. This is John with Catholic for Rednecks. Thank you for dropping by the podcast. You know, I went to a Bible seminary in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I'm not sure if I should name it or not, but there were students there. I had been a policeman for years and uh, just, you know, really wanted to go to this seminary and and all. Uh, learn what they had to say. And when I was in class, I had a friend. There There were students there from all over the country, all over the world. So I met this dude in class. His name is Stephen Chaudhry. And um, he was from England. And at first, we didn't really get along. I didn't know why. I had no problems with the guy. But apparently he had problems with me and thought I was like an arrogant hillbilly cowboy taking off, taking up room in class and getting in his way and all elbows and everything. And then at some point in a class, um, the professor said something and either he or me made a comment that we agreed with and we made eye contact and fell in love. It was a bromance right away, a bromance. And um, me and him got to be friends or wives or kids. And I ended up, you know, actually going to England a few times and staying with him. And he would come and visit us here in Alabama. So we're still good friends. He is a minister. I think right now he's in missions in India. His family is of Indian descent. I don't mean like Native Americans here, but you know, India, um, his family went from India to Fiji Islands and became Christians to that area was Muslim or Hindu. I don't remember which, but they left Fiji to come to England and his father, a wonderful man, a missionary, pastor, and a teacher. But Stephen went to seminary in Oklahoma. Then he returned and, and had a really nice church called River of Life, sort of a non-denominational church, you know, charismatic, non-Catholic, good, good, good people, though. But uh, he sent me a text over the Labor Day weekend and it was a article from the BBC. Now, I like the BBC. One reason I like the BBC is because one time I was stranded in London, England. I was either going to, I was going to Nairobi in Kenya, to Africa. And I know a lot of people think I'm just a hillbilly, ignorant redneck, but I've been around, okay? I have been around. And so, I don't know if you remember, if you're old like me, that some terrorists blew up those, some of those double-decker tour buses, the red ones, in England, in London. And so, they had the place on lockdown, and I'm stuck in my hotel room, and I'm watching the BBC, and they have, like, the best news in the world up to date. They got cameras everywhere. Anyhow, I just really liked the way they did their job. Covering that event, so he said, and they also get this: the BBC did a documentary about 
how the famous Spanish Inquisition, when the Catholic Church just went over there to Spain and executed, uh, according to Jack Chick, like 300 million people. Hmm. Well, I don't even know if there were 300 million people on Earth, but guess what? It didn't happen. And the BBC did a documentary. You can go to YouTube if you get through listening to this and giving me a five-star review. But um, you can go to YouTube, Google BBC on the Spanish Inquisition, or, or it's called the myth of the Spanish Inquisition. Like a lot of things that people beat up on the Catholic Church about, uh, they're mythical allegations. Allegations. So he sent me a link, and it, it was about the, um, I think it was something like, how does the Catholic Church discern, determine who will be saints? And I believe there were five um, things that they said the Catholic Church goes by to become saints. And he says, hey, John, how about rednecking this for me? So rednecking means to bring it old and down, you know, where you take some heavy theology or something from the Catholic Church and you just bring it down to the redneck level where anyone can understand it. Okay, what is a saint? I know as a Southern Baptist and as a charismatic, we believe that all Christians are called saints because we were taught that we were sanctified when we were born again and that we're all saints. And then you get to studying the Catholics and they have a whole different meaning for the word saint. And it's not the same as, you know, just Christians being sanctified. It's a different category. Um, what the Catholic saints are in redneck terminology, terminology or the rock stars of the Catholic Church. These are certain uh, characters in the Bible, in church history, all the way from the time of Jesus, all the way to right now. These are special, special people that the church recognizes that have been extremely devout, holy, uh, had a righteous life, that they really were movers and shakers, that they just had a reputation wherever they were of being a powerhouse for God, a powerhouse for the church. Uh, one of the things is they had to have had at least two uh, major miracles. They just had to be known as very pious people who got their prayers answered, who were very pious, devout, um, you know, just superstars. Um, when I was in the charismatic Word of Faith movement back in the 90s and 2000s, there was a thing in America called the Great Healing Revival. And there were many tent preachers, faith healers that were going around, you know, preaching the full gospel, Pentecostal, and some of them became very famous such as Oral Roberts, whom I worked for myself as security. You had a fellow named Kenneth E. Hagan. Um, I actually was his student 
along with my friend Stephen Chalder, who were students of his. Um, There's a preacher named A.A. Allen. Um, There's one named T.L. Osborne, uh, Jack Cole, William Branham. There's just a group of several of them that were just doggone rock stars, and they were famous. They were all over the newspapers. Um, It was reported that they uh, were getting people healed and all. Well, later on, they were called the Generals of God or God's Generals. That was a book that a fellow wrote about this um, healing revival, and he named these great preachers uh, God's Generals. So you come over to the Catholic Church, and it's just sort of like that. You got some rock stars. Now, something that um, the church has said, now remember, Catholic for Rednecks, is not a deep dive in theology. I'm not going to bore you by reading out of the catechism. And let me tell you something, unless you're kind of weird, that is a boring and hard read. I've read the big catechism cover to cover, and it's a heavy it's a heavy read. So that's why I'm here, to explain these things to regular folks and not using a bunch of science and stuff. If you want a deep dive on it, go right ahead. There's been books written about it, and you could just spend the rest of your life reading about theology and history on that level if you care to. But uh, so the Catholic Church has already said in the Catechism that the Church recognizes that there are countless unknown individuals that nobody's ever heard of that were great, godly people that are in heaven that are known by God to be saints. Now, we won't know who they are till we get up there. But the ones that we do know, and I'll be fair, I'm not going to cut my church any slack if there's something that bothers me a little bit, but the vast majority of the saints of the Catholic Church are clergymen. You know, we're sisters or priests. Of course, the apostles, uh, characters in the Bible, and not many people know this, but the greatest saint in the Catholic Church is the Virgin Mary. Yes, I called her Virgin Mary because she remained a virgin throughout her life, and I can prove that by the Holy Word of God, but that's another topic. So, um, John the Baptist is a saint, and every day in the Catholic Church is a feast day. Now, you want a party. The Catholic Church is where to party. When I first started going to Mass, I wanted to meet the priest there because he had been in the Marine Corps, and he was Irish, and he was kind of a rough-spoken person. So I went to go meet him about becoming Catholic, and he was more interested in talking about Mardi Gras and stuff like that, and uh, it was just funny, but the things you learn about the Catholic Church is a lot of Catholics like to party, okay? Um, I do not drink alcohol. Not I don't drink it at all, but I used to, and I used to drink into excess, and I will readily admit a lot of my Catholic brethren like to drink the uh libations, the beer, the whiskey. As a matter of fact, the first Catholic church picnic I went to had a beer tent 
and a wine tent and a cigar tent and a girl at church walking around with jello shots. And I just thought it was the most wonderful thing in the world. And the night of my confirmation, they had um, alcoholic beverages so that my family and friends could uh, celebrate my confirmation into the Catholic Church. It was just a pretty neat thing. That being said, the Catholic Church forbids drunkenness, okay? So, as a matter of fact, there are many in the Catholic Church that believe that to become intoxicated is a mortal sin, and you must go to confession to have that mortal sin uh, taken care of before you can partake of the Eucharist. So, I'm not here, you know, to fuss about that, but so back to saints, all the saints have their day. I think it's usually a day that they were martyred or when they were born. I'm not sure. But so you got all these hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of officially recognized saints in the Catholic Church. And uh, like, there, you know, a particular day, like it could be uh, St. Rita's Day or St. Gertrude or St. Padre Pio. Uh, look at this one, St. Patrick's Day. All of y'all know about that one. How about this one, St. Valentine's Day. Everyone knows about St. Valentine. Uh, how about this, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus. See, the Catholic Church is nothing new or weird. All these things that non-Protestants have been celebrating and incorporating into their culture a lot of it comes from the Catholic Church. So we celebrate saint days. Now, here's the idea. When I started going through the classes that you take to become Catholic, they're called RCIA. And if you're hearing this today and interested in being Catholic, you better uh, call your local Catholic church and sign up because the classes start in September after Labor Day, and they go all the way to Easter. And if you want to be Catholic, that's how you do it. But they had pictures all over the hallway at the church of different saints, like St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Mary Magdalene's, uh, early church people like St. Ignatius, St. Polycarp, um, all of those people. And what you're supposed to do is, in your while you're going through your conversion, while you're going through your journey to... Um, you know, decide whether or not you're going to become Catholic is you study and you pray and you read about these saints. And uh, usually one of them will kind of jump out at you and you'll kind of like starting to like a certain saint. You'll be attracted to that saint. You'll, uh, there's something about that saint that you might admire. And the Catholics believe that really that is that saint reaching out to you to perhaps become your intercessor, uh, perhaps to be sort of like a guardian angel. Now, I didn't just, I did not say that your saint will be your guardian angel, but that's just what I want you to picture. Um, Catholics do not believe in soul sleep. Catholics believe that when you die, that your body dies, it goes to sleep, they bury it, burn it up, whatever they're going to do with your body. But the real you, and I suppose Stephen is listening to this podcast, maybe since he asked me to make it. So when Stephen's body 
perishes when it dies. Um, the real Stephen, you know, that's a spirit and soul in his mind and his intellect, his memory, his heart, the real Stephen, the personality, goes into the afterlife to be with God, okay? Um, I believe the Jehovah's Witness, they believe that when you die, you're just dead as a hammer until the resurrection. Then you wake up and you're alive again. Um, and a lot of non-Protestants, Baptists, a lot of Pentecostals, now they say they believe that when we die, we go straight to heaven. Then they'll turn around and say that we're dead when we die and can't hear. They're really most Protestants, and I hate to use the word Protestant. It's an old-timey word, and most of them ain't really Protestants, but most non-Catholics, they talk and think. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. They think really weird about these things because they really believe that when the grandma dies, she's with Jesus, right? And she's dancing and in her mansion and all that. But for some reason... They believe that people, saints that are gone before us <laughs> are just, I don't know, on a cloud with a heart. But there's many scriptures in the King James Version as well as ones removed by old Martin Luther, that drunken, crazy priest. Um, you know, they removed a lot of scriptures from the real Bible. You know, if you have a King James Version of the Bible there on your coffee table, um, that Bible is missing over 3,000 scriptures that the entire church possessed from the time of, uh, till it was put together until the Reformation. Um, there's a lot of verses about angels and saints praying for us. So here, let me strip it down to you. Okay. These saints that are up there with God right now, not only are they alive, and we know, I think it's either Luke or 16 or Luke 17 about Lazarus. You know, he goes to Abraham's bosom, and the poor, poor Lazarus there, and the rich dude, they're there, and they can see each other, and they have feelings, and the, the rich man is asking Father Abraham, I guess he didn't know, Jesus said, call no man father, but the Rich man asked Father Abraham, and notice Jesus calls Abraham Father Abraham. So he says, will you please send someone to my five brothers on earth that they not come to this place to torment? So that right there, just uh, death blows all the Protestant teaching that saints and people that enter in the afterlife uh, cannot hear us, think about us, or interceding for us. Because right there, a dead man by our Protestant standards, is in the afterlife interceding for his five brothers on the earth. So we believe as Catholics that those saints up there are like our prayer partners. And when we pray to a saint, we're not really praying to him in the context that you would pray to God, but we're talking to him. So my patron saint, I think, is... I picked St. John because he is one Jesus loved. That's who 
you know, I was named John. That's my name, John. And, you know, over your journey as becoming Catholic, you start finding out uh, about other saints you never knew that lived. And maybe you start having, you know, a fondness, a connection to them. And and you can pray. You can talk to them. Um, it's not something that I do night and day. But, you know, to me, talking to someone with Jesus is not talking to the dead because they're alive. And a lot of non-Catholics, they they want to cling to the old covenant when it comes to things like tithing. They want to jump on that old covenant when the old, the old Testament tells us not to communicate with the dead. Um, they want to cling to that. If the Old Testament says do not beat uh, out gold and, and wood and make idols, they want to cling to that. Then when it comes to something they like, all of a sudden they want to jump over to the New Testament and be free in Christ. Well, there's nothing in the New Testament that tells us we cannot pray or talk to saints. As a matter of fact, if you read your Bibles, do you remember when Jesus took his homies up to the top of that mountain, the Mount Transfiguration, and he took his, um, I think it was James and John and Peter, his uh, closest associates, and all of a sudden, right there, there's Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Now, if you read your Bible, Moses was dead and buried by God himself. So what is Jesus doing talking to dead Moses? Well, Moses ain't dead. It's called the communion of the saints. A lot of people think that that phrase, communion of the saints, which can be found in the Apostles' Creed, is talking about potluck, supper, Wednesday night prayer meeting. No, it's talking about communion with saints. And I could spend hours just giving you scripture after scripture. There's some in Revelations. There's some in Hebrews, you know, uh, there's some in the book of Tobit, which the non-Catholics, um, they don't have it because their spiritual leaders uh, took it upon themselves to redact it from the Bible. But there's good old Mr. Google. You can go to Google and pull up the book of Tobit and other books, Catholic books that have been there since day one when the Bible first was um, translated and came out in one Bible the Latin Vulgate, 382. That's about 1,300 years before the uh, Church of England Bible came out. You can find all these things. They're in early church writings. You can do a Google search on early church writings, early church fathers, and you can read how the uh, first Christians would uh, write prayers to the saints. You know, they would have mass. Yes, I said mass. That's what they called it right off the bat. When they had church, it was called Mass. They celebrated the Eucharist. Um, that's the exact word the early church used. You can read Google Justin Martyr. You can read his description of the early church having church, and it was the Catholic Mass. That's exactly what they called it, the Mass and the Eucharist. And they had priests, and they would offer prayers to the saints. They would pray for the dead. Those that had passed on, they would pray for them. And if you go to Catholic Mass and pay attention to everything 
the priest is saying, when he's up there, there's a, um, you know, they go through the, the rite, and it's just amazing. All the theology and the prayers you'll hear during the Catholic Mass, during a regular Mass, just pay attention when he's up there blessing the uh, bread and the wine to become the body of our Lord. He's saying a lot of things, that priest is, because that priest is interceding between you and God. He's standing there in the person of Christ, just like he does at the confession booth. He's standing there in the person of Christ, just like he did when he baptized you or when he uh, puts you together, husband or wife. Uh, that's God joining you through the priest. It's a sacrament. So priest, you know, usually it takes a long time to for the church to make you a priest because they don't want you getting, you know, votes just because people's in grief and sad that you left. There had, the church has to determine that there were at least two miracles. Um, the church has to know that you had a very pious life that everyone knew you were just, you know, just an outstanding Christian. Also, a lot of the saints, like the popes, they do not embalm when they die um, because they. one of the signs of a saint is if you examine their bodies, if they're ever... Um, you know, removed from their grave. Um, a lot of them don't even um, deteriorate. They don't see corruption. And uh, that's another reason we believe that the Virgin Mary was airlifted rather than died because do you remember in the, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms and in the book of Acts, uh, the scripture says that, that uh, Jesus, that his body could not see corruption. We know from science now that any mother that has a baby, that's pregnant with a baby, that during that, uh, you know, the process of those nine months that the DNA, the blood is intermingled, and even if that baby is born and that that baby grows up and, uh, God forbid, that baby would to pass away, uh, you know, at an at a age before the mother, then it's a scientific fact that that baby's living DNA is still in that mother's womb right now. So if Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and then he rose from the dead, um, and Mary still got living DNA of God in her womb. And these people that mock Mother Mary and say she's just an incubator, think about it. The Virgin Mary had God's DNA the DNA of Jesus Christ in with hers. Now, if Mary was dead and buried, what would happen to that DNA? It would see corruption. So it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. So uh, sometimes they dig up the saints and find out that they're just about perfect sometimes. I saw one saint, uh, for some reason, they took his heart out. I don't remember it. Y'all know who I'm talking about if you're Catholic. And I've seen that heart. This dude died, I don't know when, back in the dark ages, and they took his heart. That's a weird thing about Catholic Church, man. We got bones and relics. Other churches have cappuccino and T-shirt sales and stuff, but we have bones and blood and hair from saints. And, uh, you know, that's another episode. But I hope you got something out of this. 
If you have any questions, shoot me an email at Catholic for Rednecks Podcast at gmail.com. I will eventually get to it. I am very busy. Love you guys. I'm praying for you. Please like and share this episode if you liked it. Please send it to your friends. Post it on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever you do. And please subscribe. Hit that little bell. And if you're on Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. And Stephen Chaudhry, I hope that you actually listen to this. And uh, I really hope you do. Uh, Love you, brother. And Leslie and all your kids. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.